scripture lesson this morning, a familiar passage from the book of John, third chapter, the 16th through the 18th verse. And it reads thus, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Thank you, Paul. Will you pray with us? Holy and gracious God, send your spirit upon us. That as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. Think back to the last time you were on an airplane. Maybe you remember filing down the narrow walkway to the plane, shoving your, shoving your carry-on into the overhead bin, perhaps navigating it all while wearing a mask. And like Paul said this morning, perhaps you have an odd recollection of something you hear every time, but perhaps don't really pay attention to, of the overhead announcement by the flight attendant saying something like this. In the event of a loss in cabin pressure, Secure your own oxygen mask before helping children or others secure their own. Have you ever stopped to think about how practical, yet also completely unorthodox, that sounds? In American culture, at least white, uh, predominantly white American culture, at least has trained us that parenting is about sacrificing ourselves for the sake of our kids. Sacrificing our time, our relationships, even putting our marriage or romantic relationships second for the sake of our kids. Basically pouring all of ourselves out until there's nothing left. Or at least only a few drops of time, energy, and resources for us, all for the sake of our kids. Now, early in my church training, this was a message I heard over and over again, whether out loud or strongly suggested. Basically, it was that I needed to give all of myself, pour all of myself out for the church. One summer, I was working at a summer camp, summer church camp. We even had a slogan for it. It was, I'm third. We'd say that again and again, I'm third. Uh, now, perhaps you've heard the acronym JOY, Jesus, Others, You. You know, Jesus first, others are second, you're third. Now, it's a nice thing and, generally speaking, good idea. But the, at least I think the truth is that constantly putting yourself last is a recipe for burnout, mental illness, and moral failures. In short, what happens, I think, to many pastors and parents, whether figuratively or literally, is they run out of, they run out of gas. They essentially pass out from a lack of oxygen. 
Yet even today, it's a struggle that many people continue to struggle against, feeling like as if we're not worn out and exhausted by the end of the week, we're not doing something right. I know I feel that way. If I'm like not exhausted by the end of the ministry week, I'm like, boy, did I really put in my enough work? And Sandy's like, no, you haven't. (laughs) He's figured me out, obviously. Part of the reason I feel like this, I think, part of the reason we as parents feel like this is because what we've been taught to think is that this is what love is, giving all of ourselves until there's nothing left. Today, we begin our stewardship journey, as I mentioned earlier, um, where we as a church community contemplate how we respond to the many gifts that God has given us. How do we give of our money, of our time, of our energy in faithful ways? The scripture that we're challenged with this morning is one that is traditionally understood in a very specific way. Way. So as Paul read it, he said, you know, this is one you probably know. And if you know it, say it with me. John 3.16, for God God so so loved the world, world, he gave his his only son, son, so that whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. Or a version of that, right? Some of you are like King James Version over here. I don't know what's going on, but anyway. (laughs) We've heard it probably all of our lives. And in many contexts, we might automatically infer two things. One, that God gave everything God had, God's child, to the world. And two, that Jesus had to die so that we might have eternal life. And while traditionally or in some contexts, these understandings or inferences are meant to be a comforting thought, God giving us everything, I think this understanding of God's gift can be problematic. I don't think that you have to be a parent to understand that giving up your child to be killed seems slightly drastic, right? And in this traditional understanding, the reason Jesus has to die is to be the scapegoat for us. We who are so sinful beyond any other type of redemption, caught perhaps in sin's alloy. That's for Carol Hammond. Just You can ask me later about that. That we are impure and that God has no other choice but to place our sins upon Jesus so that he can die and take it all away. I don't know about you, but I actually find that a pretty morbid and horrifying plan. And in it, God gives everything to the world. That's it. That's all God has. In one grand gesture, God throws out this desperate option, take my 
kid, God says out of frustration. He didn't do anything wrong, but he'll make it right. Reverend Lauren said this reminded him of the so-called kick the dog syndrome. Have you ever heard of this? Basically, kick the dog syndrome refers to the act of mistreating a peer or someone inferior to you out of frustration because a superior, whom you cannot argue with, has treated you poorly. So imagine a husband coming home and immediately yelling at his wife and kids. The kick the dog syndrome. His boss has been a jerk. So, out of frustration, he takes it out on his wife and kids. Only in this instance, God offers Jesus to be the one to take the punishment. And that actually doesn't make God look too good. In fact, it makes God look a bit like a villain. And I don't know about you, but I sure don't want to be worshiping a villain every Sunday morning. Reverend Lauren wrote these words to the doxology. New words, praise God from whom all sufferings flow. Praise God who kicks the dog. Praise God, criminal creep and bad guy, the villain three in When I got hired here, I told her there'd be no singing from me in my (laughs) preaching. She had to do it all. Well, the good news is, spoiler alert, we aren't worshiping a villain. We all know deep down, I think, that God isn't someone who can barely stand us, who is repelled by the stench of our sinfulness. We know that deep down. We know in our heart of hearts that God is about love and grace and compassion. Remember what Jesus said in the book of Matthew? He says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. But even the hairs of your head are all counted. Do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows, he said. Does God literally know the exact number of hairs on our head? I don't know. Well, you actually have to have hair on your head. Uh, Jimbo, calling you out, buddy, uh, for God to count those hairs. All right, continue, Reverend Lauren. (laughs) What I do know beyond the amount of hairs on my head is that deep in my heart of hearts, I know that God loves us deeply, immensely, and personally. God loves us and loves us so much that God would stop at nothing God would do anything. God would consider all options in order to be in relationship with us. God's deep, abounding, and overflowing love for us is what Jesus coming to earth is about. It's what Jesus dying is about. Jesus didn't come to earth to satisfy some sort of divine grudge by God. Jesus didn't come to earth to die on the cross because God wanted to kill us instead. Jesus came to earth to be with and for humans because because of and out of God's deep, abounding, and overflowing love for us. God gave Jesus out of deep and abounding, overflowing love. And for those of us, even in the room who aren't parents, we know even what it's like to be 
in love and act out of love. We give gifts to those we love, whether it's to our children, whether it's to those we love, not out of guilt or duty or shame, but out of our overflowing love for them. To me, at least, that's a powerful, transformational example of what it means to give. So for me, we give to church, we give to nonprofit organizations, we give to community organizations because we love others, because we love God's creation, because we love God. We love and we have so much abounding love that it flows out from us in the form of gifts. Reverend Lauren and I, when we were talking about this sermon, we were talking about kind of that image of an overflowing cup. You know, if you pour everything out until there isn't a drop left, there isn't a drop left for you. Um, I think sometimes our kids in school learn this with like the bucket lesson, right? Like what fills your bucket? You gotta have, you gotta fill your bucket back up. You can't empty it all out because you have nothing left. Give from the overflow. Um, as we were talking about that, I kind of slipped into this story about the Dylan dogs. Some of you know about the pastoral dogs, um, Graham, the best boy ever, and Sable, aka Sable the Destroyer, or Sable the Three-Legged Dog. Um, I did not, we were just talking about this, and Lauren was like, that is the story that you share. So um, many of you have met our dogs. They're a little bit silly, but I love them so, so much. But you have to kind of back up a little bit to the time that Jimbo and the kids and I were living in Cheyenne, and we actually had a yellow lab named Casper. And Casper was the best dog ever. I mean, yellow labs, like how can you go wrong, right? But at 13, his hip was given out, and he had to be put to sleep. And so we gathered around, all of us, all four of us kids, or all four kids, me and Jimbo, and we kind of ushered him on to the other side. And we were so sad and so grieving that all of us left the vet vowing never to have another dog ever again if it was going to hurt so bad. That was in March of 2015, and then we moved here, and by July of 2015, we had Graham. Like, we just couldn't handle it. Like, we, we knew that there was something that we needed, and it needed to be a puppy. And then I loved watching my, at the time, young teenage boys, who, if you know young teenage boys, as parents, sometimes you wonder if they are going to survive and be good people ever, ever, ever. Um, but watching those boys with this dog with Graham showed me that they would be okay because they were the best versions of themselves in loving this dog. And so when they asked for another dog, I mean, what do you do? You give them another dog, dadgummit. And these now grown boys Um, are the best versions of themselves around these dogs. It's like love just overflows when they are around them. And so, you know, even if it's a little reticent, I'm looking at one of my children up there right now, even if it's a little reticent now, um, I know that there is love overflowing in them. So my point is, 
Everybody needs to go out and get a puppy. <laughs> That's my point. Or if puppies are not your thing, find what brings you joy. Find what fills your cup or your bucket and fill it to overflowing. It is only out, the, out of the abundance of love in our hearts that we can love others. So what do you love? And what gives you love? Give of that overflow. Does being in God's creation fill you? Give out of the love toward creation care causes. Does helping those in need fill you? Then give out of love towards helping the poor and less fortunate. Does the church fill you? Then give out of that love towards supporting our church here. For God was so overflowing with love for creation that Jesus was born to live with us, love with us, grow with us. And through that great love, God never leaves us. The abundance of God's love means that there is surplus, more than enough for you and to give away. And there is always, always love left over. We pray that these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.